Hello and welcome to another Not About Us conversation. Totally unscripted. Totally unscripted. Totally out of control. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to say that. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to say that. That's how unscripted it is. <laughs> this, uh, I hope our listeners do enjoy these. We enjoy these. This is that Sabbath that we've talked about in other podcasts that where we just get to talk about whatever's on our hearts and whatever God did for us this week. But as always, I'm Brad. And I'm Scott. And this is not about us. Well, hello, Scott. Hello, listeners. This conversation is taking place on August 7th, 2020. Wow. We're in August already. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) means my summer's leaving. I'm going to start throwing the year in there, too, because who knows, Scott? Maybe, just maybe, we'll have multiple years of these, and people will be like, well, what year, dude? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If, if the Lord waits a little longer... But uh, starting out, Scott, do you have anything to start off with today? Uh, just prayer. Just prayer? Yep. Wow. <laughs> I'll start off with that. Man, we're so unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. I almost jumped the gun here and forgot about the most important part of this. This is not about us. So, Scott, would you please lead us in prayer? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Yahweh God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Just come on in. Have a seat. Sit down. Talk with us. Please. We want to talk with you. We know you want to hear us. So we are going to talk with you. But God, we also want to listen. We want you. This is the most important part. We want you to be a part of this. Speak to our hearts. Uh, Speak on the microphone if you feel like it. God, you glorify yourself. You be you in whatever way you want and we just hope that we're open not just brad and i but all of the listeners we just hope that we're open to actually hearing you may we come to know how to hear you and how to see you more and more in our lives each and every day oh hallelujah amen amen truth (laughs) truth Scott, what is there anything on your heart? Anything uh, you want to get started with? Yeah, I got a lot of things um, I can throw out there. So uh, let me start with one of them here. And that is my shout out for the day. Woo! Um, I'm going back to another author, a pair of authors actually, uh, that have really spoken to me recently and opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I appreciate them for that. And they are Thomas Horn and Chris Putnam. Uh, who have written a series of books together and several books on their own. Uh, the books I'm thinking about specifically are Petrus Romanus, Exo Vaticana, and On the Path of the Immortals. Uh, I just appreciate them because, like me, everyone's different. You all, I, I know everyone listening, you like your own thing. But these books did a, a wonderful job of really breaking down evidence and and not being biased by just saying this is what I want to be true so I'm going to call it true but really chasing uh, factual evidence and and pieces uh, of different truths about different 
different things, different topics, and you can read the books for yourself if you'd like. I'm not really going to go into each of them now, but one of the things I just appreciated, and I actually read uh, these books with my son when I homeschooled him piece by piece, and we broke down because we were using them to study that exactly. We were taking some ideas that sound crazy on the surface. If I just threw at you, hey, here's something, you know, do you believe this? The natural reaction might be, of course not. That's ludicrous and way out there. And what are you talking about? And then we took it step by step, piece by piece. Can you understand this small piece uh, as, as making sense? Well, yeah, that's logical. That, that under, understand. Okay, let's go over. Now let's take this small piece does that make sense? Does that, does there, is there logic there? Oh yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I, I totally get, I see the evidence, the research, everything to back up that piece. That makes sense. And we kept adding brick by brick by brick. And we, we came to a structure that in the end you, you had to acknowledge, oh, oh, that one thing I thought was crazy beforehand, that actually makes sense. Well, whether you believe it or whether you understand it or whether you even care about it there are things happening in the spiritual realm that we don't necessarily always see yes both good and bad things Mm -hmm. and what i appreciated by uh what i appreciated from these books is that they took some of these crazy concepts like you're talking about and they showed me that these could be possible and that helps open my mind up. I'm not saying that what they suggest is accurate and perfect. Oh, exactly. But it at least gets your mind mm-hmm. seeing things from a different perspective. And I really do appreciate when that happens. And I do, uh, I understand I, going towards the conclusions they were making is one thing. Uh, and I appreciated where they were going. But why I appreciate them so much is is just that fact. They don't say... We want to end up here, so we're just going to end up there. Right. They are honestly, they went into these books as as honest researchers going, we don't know where this is going to end up. We're letting the evidence take us where it goes. Yes. And I so appreciate that honesty and the integrity to say, um, I okay, here is a piece of evidence, a piece of factual evidence. I'm going to add that to the pile, and then I'm going to go search for more. And they... And they did such a fantastic job of digging and finding accurate pieces of truth one at a time. And maybe you will say, I don't like their conclusions, but uh, I do appreciate the fact that they actually hunted for the evidence. Absolutely. Which is kind of something we do sometimes too when we're looking into scripture and digging deeper. I hope that's what I'm always doing and not just, I, I pray constantly that I'm not just going, God, I, I am going to invent something that gets this to where I want it to be. And instead I'm saying, all right, God, I'm seeking you wherever you are. And if I'm wrong, then show me where I'm wrong and tear down the old concepts that I had of reality and show me the evidence that supports who you really are. Exactly. I think that's why a lot of times we'll say, hey, if we say something that doesn't sound accurate or right or truth, let it die a quick death. 
Yeah. Because we don't want that idea. We don't want that concept to be out there if it's not truth, if it's not accurate, if we haven't made the proper, we haven't done the proper research and come to the proper conclusions. So that's all. I just want to shout out those two. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I doubt you're listening. <laughs> like like uh, everyone else I've, I've shouted out, I doubt you're all listening. But just in case it comes around to you, thanks. Uh, I appreciate your efforts. I really uh, I thank you uh, for what you've done. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Really cool stuff. Uh, Brad, what's on your heart today? Well... If anyone's been paying attention to the news lately, there was a very large, not nuclear, but kind of imitated a nuclear explosion in Lebanon, which is close to Israel, which immediately gets my ears perked up. And uh, I've been looking into a lot of stuff about this, and it's kind of crazy. Um, I've heard some, I've heard some rumors that. Uh, the chemicals that caused the explosion, those were originally meant to go to Israel, and they were stopped at the port in Lebanon, and they've been stored there for years, and, and it's just crazy, and uh, it's just crazy that this happened, and, and first of all, I just want to say uh, I'm praying for anybody in, that was affected by this. Um, this looks terrible. I've seen some videos, and it's frightening um, I've seen people who have been fairly close to it, and, and they're literally, the force of it pushes them away, and you see debris and everything flying, and I just can't even imagine. So my heart and prayers are with the people that were affected by this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you've seen the videos, I mean, it's a mushroom cloud. It is a massive explosion. It's a nuclear explosion without being a nuclear explosion. It's yeah. It's it's just wow. And... and Looks like it starts out with an actual, another small explosion, and then the that explosion, the the fire and whatnot, gets to the chemicals that caused the bigger explosion. So that's why there were so many camera angles on it because people were like, "Oh, there's an explosion there, over there's there. There's fire. fire. There's something, yeah. I'm gonna record it." And then they just happened to catch the bigger explosion. So I don't know. I don't know if I have any super conclusions about it. But it does it does kind of pique your ears when anything like this happens um, in that area of the world, wondering what's going on in the spiritual. Um, one person that I listened to made a comment that uh, you know this this couldn't be how Damascus is destroyed. Like mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a nuclear explosion. We jump to that conclusion, but it doesn't necessarily need to be. So once again, it's just something that okay, I'm thinking about things in a different way now. Um, how mm-hmm. could this stuff actually happen? And and uh, it may not be in the ways that we think it will happen. Yeah, exactly. And and Brad and I spoke about this before. Is one of the problems I've noticed, uh, and I think Brad, you agreed uh, with a lot of prophecy and a lot of people in the last several decades who have tried to explain prophecy and name dates and and name times and and things like that. One of the errors is that they found truth in the scripture and they've jumped on it and they've gone too far and they've come to conclusions where they shouldn't go. And this is what, like, like for example, the Bible says, it does say that in the end, Damascus will be a ruinous heap. Um, that's, that's prophecy. That's true. Well, how is that going to happen? I think a lot of people have just said, well, 
uh, look at the days we live in. It has to be because of a nuclear war or it has to be whatever. And so they've said, okay, that's it. We've solved it. And they make leaps that aren't necessarily true based on their own wisdom and their own perception of reality. And, and I like what Brad is saying here about this is we have to re-examine. Yes, the, the conclusions that the Bible makes are definitely true, but we might not recognize how they're going to happen until after they happen. Right, and how many people have fallen away because something didn't happen the way they were sure it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So now it, if it's not the way I thought, then it must be wrong. Yeah. You know, it's a selfish thing that we do. It's a, what do I want to say? It, basically, we're all humans and we all can have these attitudes. So I would just suggest let's not, uh, let's not focus on our conclusions and just let God reveal the actual conclusions as they happen. Um, but that being said, it's still, you know, it's still interesting to investigate. It's still, it's still good to be prepared and try to understand how the enemy is going to work. And so we can be prepared. Oh, absolutely. So we won't be deceived when things happen. So no, just that was pretty big news this last week. Just thought that was super interesting. There could be way more to it than I can figure out. Um, I did find it interesting too that uh, Israel immediately offered aid, and as as many countries did, and of course they didn't want anything to do with Israel's aid, you know. So I just mm-hmm. find that interesting too. If your people are hurting, you know, yeah, <laughs> maybe we maybe we let them in, let them let them in uh, to help, and uh, but got to keep up the deception that Israel is not great, you know. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, something something else. Are you done? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say something else along those lines, uh, new prophetic news going on. Uh, in fact, Brad brought this to my attention, uh, that right now in Scotland, there are fears that very soon the Bible is going to be declared uh, illegal, uh, a terrorist book. Now, the, the people who are behind the laws that the, that are causing people to be afraid are saying, no, that's not it at all. Uh, they're trying to dissuade people. But essentially what it is, is there are new laws saying, essentially we're trying to keep people from being offended. All over the world, you know, if, if, if you offend me, how dare you? You should be shut down. And... I live in the United States of America. We have the freedom of speech and the only way to keep, the only way to do that here is to completely abolish our amendment rights and to completely abolish our constitution. I believe that we're coming to that at some point and right here it might be happening in Scotland. This might be a birth pang. It might be another step on the road. But essentially, it, it's saying anything that is egregiously offensive uh, will be banned, will be banished, will not be allowed in any public, uh, for, not, not be allowed for public consumption. And it talks about in the Bible where God condemns homosexuality uh, and even says in the Old Testament that uh, the perpetrator should be put to death. So... One of the problems with this 
is that all of these things, and I've been in this in in America too. I've I've worked with a company. I'm not going to name here, but in the company guidelines, in the company policy, they they even sat us down and had a whole HR talk about this. That uh, if someone is offended by you, then whatever they say is right. The person being offended is automatically right. If they are offended, you're at fault, period. There, there's, no, there's, there's no judicial system. There's no recourse. There's nothing you can go through to defend yourself. You're guilty if someone is offended. And that's the worry that's going on in Scotland right here. And I remember thinking at the time and even standing up in this, this little HR meeting and saying, that's ridiculous. That's, that's impossible. You can't do that. It doesn't make any sense because that opens up the law to complete subjectivity. Whatever you're offended by, everyone else has to stop. Well, the fact is, guys, we're all offended every day, uh, dozens of times, each and every one of us. And if we get to the point where every one of us is saying every offense has to be shut down, then guys, we're all going to be in jail. Yeah. All of us. <laughs> because I am offended dozens of times a day. You're offended. We're all offended. Everyone is offended. You find offense in everything that disagrees with you. That, that's, that's the way it is. I can't believe they're doing that over there. I'm yeah. offended. <laughs> you know, I can't believe this is being allowed over there. I'm offended. Every time anything disagrees with you, that is an offense to you. And we're not all the same person. We're going to find offense with everything. And if the law says, if you're offended, that's all there is to it. Uh, the, the other person is guilty. Then that means... Anyone, once that law is passed in Scotland, anyone who says, I'm offended with the Bible, that automatically makes it illegal. You can't have it around. Any pastor who says, nope, these things are wrong, and you are a sinner if you do them, I'm offended by that. How dare you call me an evil person? Right. Um, that pastor, that, that person, that whoever they are, is going to be jailed is going to be held accountable for their quote-unquote crimes. Just imagine if that happened here in the United States of America. They said the Bible has been outlawed. I have like 15 Bibles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got 15 offenses right there, probably a life, life sentence right there, Scott. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a crazy, it's a crazy thought, but... It's one that we are aware is going to happen. Um, you know, the enemy, Satan, he's up to his tricks. This is, I'm sure he's loving this, you know, so we have to be on guard for these kind of things. It reminds me of a um, newsboy song, Guilty. And basically, you know, if they say that if loving God is, is, is wrong, then I'm guilty. You know, I'm going to love God, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it just makes me think of that. If 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 it comes to it, I'm going to have to go to jail. I'm going to have to. But 
that thought saddens me in the sense that if my Bibles were all gone from me, I'll have to really have it on my heart. Mm-hmm. And I do have scripture on my heart, but I so love my intimate love letter from God. Yeah. I so love being able to just pick it up and, and oh, what, what was Psalm 83 about? What was this? I need, I need to look into this. Something comes into my mind and I need to look into it. I love being able to pick up my love letter from God and read it word for word. So I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a sad thought to me. And it's one that you know, here in the United States of America, we might be like, no, we're never going to have to worry about that. We're, we're the country of freedom and, and all that. But guys, it's happening. Yeah. I mean, in this country alone, in, in, in my lifespan, I've seen people become more and more easily offended. Mm-hmm. And more and more are we having to give up the things that we know are right to accommodate other people who have been offended. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not unrealistic to say that it could be a very short period of time and we might be in the same boat as Scotland is right now. Now, another thing that leads to, and we kind of got into this in the last conversation, or actually it, was, it wasn't the conversation, it was Genesis, wasn't it? Yes, it was Genesis where we talked about um, why the, the basis of homosexuality being wrong. Right. And where God created man and woman for a reason. There was a prophetic vision there that he wanted us to see. And you can go back and check it out. It was Genesis podcast number 11, I believe, that we mentioned that. And you can check that out for yourself if you'd like to see exactly what we said. But one of the things they mentioned in the article was in that where it talks about putting people to death for this. And I wanted to talk about this briefly because as I go on in in Genesis and and through the book, in my Genesis study and and others, once I get into Exodus and that, I was going to get into these things, but it is going to take a long time to get there. So I want to touch on a few of these things right now. And that is the fact, and if you've been listening to me in my Genesis study or any of the others, you know, I repeat this all the time, in the Old Testament, it, they are physical examples of spiritual truth. I'm not going to repeat the whole lesson on how we got to this point right now. You can check it out in older podcasts. But the entire Old Testament is the Word of God. The Torah is perfect. And it still applies. It might not apply in the way you think it applies, but... It's exactly that. God limited it to physical manifestations of reality, of his word, of his rules, of his being, uh, of explanations of who he is, because we didn't have the Holy Spirit. We could not understand spiritual truth. So he limited it to physical examples that now that we have the Holy Spirit, we can look at those physical examples and retranslate them and understand spiritually what they were intended to be. Again, I don't, I, I'm already going too far into an explanation. I just want to skip on and move forward. The physical examples of spiritual truth, when we look at the places where God said, put that man to death, put that woman to death, put that person to death, we need to understand what was God telling us spiritually. That was a physical example 
uh, of something that was going on that we needed to understand how is that affecting us right now. And I want to bring you to uh, the passage, and uh, forgive me, this is a conversation, so I didn't have it prepared, so I don't have it in front of me. But there's a passage in the Bible that says, if your son offends you, if your son curses you, bring him before the elders and decide, and they will decide whether he should be put to death. Now, how many of us are doing that? Brad, have you ever heard about any cases where the cursing of a son made them be brought before the elders and possibly be stoned to death right then and there? Mm, If I rack my brain, I can't think of anything. Yeah. So how many of us are living uh, the Old Testament? How many of us will say, hey, this applies. You still need to do this. The Bible says this. The Bible says this. But when we get to verses like this, your son curses you, put him to death. We're going, oh, no, that's, that's not for us. That's, that's, no, that doesn't exist anymore. No, no, no. Either the entire Bible is perfect or none of it is. You can't have one way or the other. So in verses like this, what we need to understand are what's the spiritual representation of what's going on here. Your son, your creation, uh, the, uh, a being that came from you, you gave birth to it. If your son curses you, if something you gave birth to, an idea, a concept, uh, a philosophy, something that you birthed curses you, then guys, put it to death. That's what this is telling us. The spiritual truth behind this physical example is put that thought that you created to death don't let it destroy you don't let it tear you down again uh, if a man sleeps with a man if a woman sleeps with a woman they're to be taken out and put to death this goes back to what we talked about before Uh, the physical example uh, the physical is an example of spiritual truth and God is playing the part of man In this marriage, mankind is playing the part of woman. And God wants to join himself to us. He wants that union to become one again. He took a piece of himself, separated it, and it became Adam. Adam was God. Adam was a piece of God. And the desire was reunification. God reconnecting with God that is us. When we choose homosexuality, it's a physical example that we reject God and we just want what mankind has to offer. Uh, The woman says, I don't want a man. I want another woman. We're, as the woman, we're saying, I don't want you, God. I just want mankind. I, I enjoy this around me. I reject you. Jesus said when he was here, he started to expand upon this. He started to explain it to us. The law of Moses says, uh, if you lust after a woman, or the, the, I'm sorry, the law of Moses says, if you go out and you have sex with a woman who's not your wife, you've committed adultery. But I'm telling you, you look at that woman with lust in your heart. You just covet her. You've already committed the sin of adultery. If you manifest that in the physical, you're simply revealing to the world 
what already exists in your heart. And that's what happens in, with homosexuality. When you commit an act of homosexuality, when you call yourself a homosexual and get into this, you're admitting to the world you already have that rejection of God in your heart. That's what it is. <clears throat> when the Bible says put these people to death in the Old Testament, we need to understand that is a physical example of a spiritual truth. And we need to put those thoughts to death, those desires to death. We need to give that up to him. He's, he's asking us to chase him as our one and only lover intended to be. That's what's going on here. All of these times in the Bible where you can see that person put them to death for what they did. And I just gave you a couple of examples here. This is what's going on. Look at the physical example. What does it mean? What does it show us in the spiritual? That idea, concept, sin, put that to death. And this is because of love. This is because he doesn't want to lose you. We were just in Genesis study uh, 12, and we were talking about uh, being ashamed. And I just, I just think it's pretty awesome that we have a God that knows every thought that we'll ever think, no matter how terrible those thoughts might be. Because sometimes, yes, we do show the world the sin, but there's also a lot of thoughts that we keep in there that are very bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guilty of this. I hope I'm not the only oh, one. <laughs> yes. No, you're not. No, I can testify to that. But uh, how awesome is it to have a God that has seen that? He has seen your thought life, but he still wants you. And mm-hmm. he's not ashamed of you. I just think that's pretty awesome. So, as always, just my only goal here, search my motives if you have to. My only goal here is just to get you into a conversation with God. And uh, be honest with him because he's he sees it either mm-hmm. way. <laughs> you know, you can't hide nothing from him, um, even your thought life. But uh, he's not ashamed. And we've both gone into already, uh, both Brad and I have both gone into how we're guilty in so many areas. So many. And given examples in previous conversations and previous testimonies, we're not saying we're perfect and you should be too, and we're judging you and condemning you, what we're saying is we're living examples of how much freeing, how wonderful that freedom is to chase him and give him, uh, give that up and, and chase him and grab him and the life that indwells within you after that happens and, and the closer you get to his love is so much better. It, even, even forget heaven. Forget heaven for the time being. Forget uh, the whole fact that we don't want you to go to hell for all of eternity and, and we want heaven for you. We want that gift that God has given through his grace to be yours of eternal life. Right here, right now, on this earth, on this planet, it is such a greater thing to experience. God you can have heaven right here on this planet if you let him give it to you. And he's to be experienced right here, right now. It, I can tell you from personal experience, what I have now 
is so much better than what I had while I was giving in to my selfish lusts. Scott, I've told you this before, but when I was younger, I literally thought I could not love. I didn't think I was capable of loving in any sense of the word. And loving a wife in that physical sense or loving uh, strangers or family um, in the familiar sense. And, uh, And I realized just recently the reason that I felt that way and I thought I, I thought something was wrong with me. Something was terribly wrong with me. Why don't I love? And it's only been recently that I that I figured this out. I didn't have God in my life. How can you love if you don't have God in your life who is love? And so I frequently thank God that he came into my life. Because when he came into my life, love came into my life. And I frequently, frequently pray, God, increase my love. I don't, I remember, it was a devotional, I believe, that, uh, you know, when you're struggling to understand someone's situation or when you're struggling with your own sin, when you're struggling whether or not you want to talk to someone about Jesus, ask God for more love. Because you're basically asking for more of God. Yeah. And in each of those situations, it can really help you, really help encourage you uh, through whatever your situation might be. So, and guys, that was not easy for me to say. As a human being, we never want to say we have faults. We never want to admit that there was something wrong with us, that we had a real, this was a real genuine fear that I had that I was not capable of love so there must be something wrong with me that's not something I want to share that's not something I want the world to know so at the same time sharing it now how much more appreciation do you have at this point knowing where you were and having the love having access to love that you have right now and how much more wonderful that feels and wishing you could go back and tell your younger self, <laughs> you know, just just how wonderful it is. There's a Mercy Me song called uh, Younger Me. And I think it pretty much sums up what you just said. If I could, if I could go back and encourage that poor pathetic version of me, younger me. Honestly, I don't know if I would because <laughs> I had to get to where I am. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, maybe I would have set me down on a different path or a different way. We've talked about regrets before. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can we have regrets, but honestly, I can't really change anything because No, no. I would always be afraid mm-hmm. that it wouldn't get me to where I am now. Oh right. But but I want to go somewhere with that real quick. In, in this and you'll understand where I'm going in a second here. You recognize in your past, you had failures, you had screw-ups, you had anger and hatred in places where you would like to go back and help yourself in those dark times and say, and bring young Brad love and truth and say, it doesn't have to be this way. 
you can change, you can be better because you know what a horrible place you were in that time. So does that mean you're hating you by saying that? No, you, you would want to go back and tell your younger self how stupid you're being and how, and, and how, how much you could improve because you're you. You want yourself to be better. You, lo- you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Actually, you, you said um, that basically I'm loving me. Mm-hmm. I'm loving my younger me. That's a foreign concept to me now because I'm just, I'm my own worst critic. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us are. And a lot of times, even to this day, I still don't know if I love myself. And I don't want to come off as arrogant or whatever that, oh, I'm great and wonderful. I should love myself. But we need yeah. to. But I guess what I'm trying to see is it's obvious that you don't want harm to come to you. Right. You are not seeking to hate yourself and and put yourself to death or put or 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 if you said I want I would love to go back and tell myself how awful I was being at that time and correct myself it's because you recognize there was error and you wish that you didn't have to suffer through the dark times you were suffering through because you were living in sin, because you were living in darkness, because you were living in a lie. You don't hate yourself. You don't want to change that person for hatred. You want to change that person because of love, because you suffered those horrible things. Right. And so when we tell other people, uh, it's the same thing. I don't want you to suffer this sin. I don't want you. I want you to recognize the truth that erases a lie and brings you into a closer relationship with Jesus. In the same way, I would love to go back and tell my younger self, no, that only leads to death because I know where it took me. And I know uh, my person at this age is about to experience a dark moment. If I could go back in time and say, oh, you're heading down a very dark path where something really nasty happens to you, you can avoid that. And I, you know, because, because I suffered it and I hated that time in my life and I did horrible things that, that make me regret doing that or, or what have you and, and made me cry and suffer and be angry and, and live willingly separated from Jesus for a time, I would want to go back because I don't want myself to suffer. I want myself to be victorious. I want myself to be in a closer relationship with Jesus. That's what we're telling you. This isn't hatred. It's love. It's you don't have to suffer. You don't have to live this lie. You don't have to be separated. Oftentimes it's seen as hatred because we're telling people where you are is wrong. And that in and of itself is offensive because we, we're arrogant people. We don't want to be called wrong. We want to believe that everything we are is right and f- perfect and fine and everyone else should just deal with that. And so it's considered offensive and hateful. But the truth is very offensive because the truth says... Uh, in order to be perfect, 
you are going to have to make some corrections. How dare you correct me? Correcting me insinuates I'm not perfect. That's exactly what I'm insinuating. You're not perfect. I'm offended by that. <laughs> I don't care that you're offended because I love you. And Scripture called it. Scripture says all men proclaim their own goodness. Yes. And then it corrects us later by saying only God is good. You know, mm-hmm. so it's all right there. Huh. If you have a worldview that says Jesus is God, Yahweh is God, he sent his son Jesus into the world to save us from our sins, and man is essentially evil and needs a savior, then this is wonderful news that he came to save us. If you have a worldview that says there is no God, I am God, and whatever I say is right, well, then that's a horrible, offensive thing to say that you're not really God because you're coming at it from a point of view that, how dare you say that? I know I'm God. That's a vicious, evil, cruel thing to say because I know I'm God and I can do whatever I want as God. How dare you tell me that something I do or believe or say could possibly be wrong in any way? But you get a you, you fall down a slippery slope with that too because you've just justified the serial killer. You've just justified anyone who does any evil because they're God. Whatever they want is right. Uh, I won't go down that road right now. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Still, some things to think about. I got something else to throw in if you, uh, unless you got something right now. No, go for it. Uh, I just want to throw out kind of along the same lines that I'm talking about right now. I've been kind of focused on, uh, a lot of this feels focused on you who are sinning. Please come back to God. Uh, and we all are. We're all sinning. We all need to recognize where we're in error. Uh, if, you've, if you've listened to the feasts of the Lord, uh, the, the fall feasts, that's what they're designed to do is honestly assess your life, see where you're in error, give that up to God, and then rejoice because he forgives you. And that's where I want to end now, forgiveness. It is such an important thing that we all need to embrace. I believe what you reap, you sow. And guys, I know a lot of people, a lot of people who call themselves Christians, so I'm talking to you, everyone who identifies as being a believer in Jesus Christ, everyone who says, I am a Christian, Guys, we've got to learn this word forgiveness and we've got to make it a part of our daily routine. I, I speak in love to the people who don't know Jesus. I hope you do come to find him because I love you, because he loves you. He's hoping that the, his lost sheep turn to him. But there's a lot of us who call ourselves Christians who say, that is a sin, that is wrong. I recognize it's wrong by the word of God and so I hate you, and you deserve death. I've met a lot of people who will say things to the effect of, that's a sin, you can't deny it's a sin, and so if I ever see one of those people being tortured, beaten, bullied, uh, I'm going to help because God hates them. And we need to come to this place of forgiveness because if we don't have forgiveness for others, God is not going to have forgiveness for us. I've experienced this in my life too. I 
several years ago, God brought me to this place where he was saying, you need to forgive that person. And at first, I, as he was bringing these thoughts to my mind, I've said before in other podcasts, I, I wished I could go back in time at one point. So I could, not so I could make myself better, but there used to be a time in my life where I was at such a dark, bitter place that I wished I could travel back in time and prepare for the people that were going to hurt me so I could kill them. That's how I felt. And God started taking me to a place of forgiveness. And one at a time, he started bringing people up in my memory where they had hurt me uh, unjustly and just forgiving them. And initially it was a, okay, God, I love you. I will do this. I will release them to forgiveness because you want me to. The more I do it and the more I have done it, the more it becomes a wonderful thing. And I've gotten to the point where when God brings up something in my life that I've forgotten about or that I, there's still some bitterness and, and, and he's like, there, I brought it up. Forgive them. It's like, oh yeah, I, it becomes a fun, I get to forgive them. Well, this is awesome. And I can see the manifestation in my life. What you reap, you will sow. And as I forgive and the more I forgive, the more I'm forgiven and the more grace falls upon me with other people as, as I am not hated or attacked for those screw-ups that I make uh, every day. Even the, the you know, the, the, the slight, the, the, the stupid little errors at work or something that cause somebody more grief than pain because I, I goofed up. Sorry, it's my fault. Um, these little things, you know, oh, it's okay, Scott. I got you. Don't worry. I'll do this. Instead of, oh, you moron, I, I am so sick of you. I get less and less of that attitude and more and more of it's okay. I got your back. Don't worry about it. And I truly believe it's because I'm, I'm, reaping what I've sown and I'm sowing forgiveness and I'm, I'm forgiving other people and I am being forgiven in return. But I just encourage you, it's a trap to hold on to that bitterness. It, it's a trap. You, we've got to learn how to forgive. What I think is cool is I can be a witness to this. Since we work at the same place, I can say, yes, what he is saying is truth. People, uh, our pa- patients will call in and I used to think he was just really great at de-escalating situations, and he is, don't get me wrong, but you have a gift of forgiving them, and I think because of that, that's what's de-escalating the situation, and that's why a lot of times you can start a bad phone call and turn it into something good by the time it's over. Yeah, not to toot my own horn, but yeah, I think that's a part of it. I think it's the grace of God. I'm tooting God's horn here. Um, I am obeying in in the area of forgiveness, and I think he's blessing my life because of, I chose blessings instead of cursings in this case. Yeah. And the blessings are manifesting. I encourage all of you, forgive, even if you hate it. There's a, there's a cool little story I heard from a, a, a lady uh, uh, teaching in a service one time. And she was talking about, I don't remember her name, I wish I did, but um, she, was, she was with someone who knew her in high school. And, and this person was talking about another lady that they both knew when they were in high school. This other lady was a bully, a jerk, a, a mean person. 
and the the second lady goes, do you remember what she did to you back then? And this lady giving the teaching goes, no, no, I, I don't remember that. What do you mean you don't remember? You don't remember when she did this and this and this to you? No, no, I don't remember that. Well, what do you mean? Because she did this and this. And the first lady stops her and she goes, no, I distinctly remember forgetting that. (laughs) And that's what it, forgiveness and forget, to forgive and forget, it's not that you make yourself stupid and suddenly that memory goes out. It's a conscious decision not to hold it against them anymore. Forgiveness, the when, when God forgives and forgets our sin, he doesn't go, what did they do again? I, I don't remember. Did they do anything? No, it's a legal term. It means he's not going to hold it against us anymore. If, if a girl goes out and sins and, and, and has premarital sex with someone and gets pregnant and then goes to God and says, I repent, I'm so sorry, I screwed up, please forgive me, and he does, he then doesn't look at her, the pregnant her, and go, how did that happen? She's never been with a man. How did that happen? Holy Spirit, Jesus, come over here. Did we do this? <laughs> what, what, what is going on here? No, he knows what happened. He doesn't hold it against her anymore. Just like all of us, we sin. If we truly repent, if we truly bring it before his cross, bring it to his cross, Say, the blood of your cross covers my sins. I give this to you. Uh, f- please forgive me. He, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But if we hold unforgiveness towards others and we refuse to, to let go, I truly believe we're going to reap what we sow Yeah, and we are going to get unforgiveness from God for our sins as well. Just like the Bible says, the the man who owed a great debt to the king and is forgiven. Then he goes running out, finds a man who owes him a small debt, who can't pay, has him thrown in jail. The king finds that man, says, I forgave you all of this and you did what? Now throw, I'm going to throw you in jail. I'm going to throw your whole family in jail. I'm going to take all of your possessions. You're done. I think this is a story that's telling us this very lesson. We need to forgive people. All of you who say you're Jesus's, what did he forgive us of? If you are a Christian, that means you are like Christ. You need to forgive like he forgave. Well, and how freeing is it to give it all up? Yeah. You, you forgive it and you move on. In, in your mind, it's been killed, it's been put to rest, it's done, it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I've had serious trauma in my life and I can get over it very easily by forgiving and letting it die and move on yeah and another thing when you when you learn how to forgive you stop seeing that person as an enemy to be hated and you start seeing them as a lost soul to be pitied yep Another quick story, again, I wish I knew names. This is a conversation I wasn't prepared, just remembering a story I heard a while ago, but it was a report from a man, and actually, it was a video. They were actually talking to the man himself, so it was a firsthand account, but it was in Africa, 
and a church group there. There was a man at the gate closing the gate, and it was a black man. Uh, and four four other black men in Africa came up to him, and he said, "Do you want to come into the service?" And they said, "No, we're here to kill you." And they took him and they beat him to death, literally, uh, right there at the gate. They beat him. They crushed his skull. They 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 literally beat him to death. He was a bloody pulp when they were done. And the cops came. Uh, the, the, they took him to the hospital, but it, there was no point. He was already dead. He was pronounced dead immediately. And then his church is contacted several hours later. Uh, you need to come and get him. And they thought, what, well, you need to come and identify the body? You need to come pick up the body? No, you need to come and get him. He's, he's fine. What are you talking about? And Jesus uh, he, it, it was one of those stories where he, he goes to heaven, he sees Jesus, and he, you know, and he meets Jesus, and he comes back, and he had been brought back. Not only that, but within, it's a miraculous story. Within a few hours after that, uh, he's not just alive, he's looking normal. Uh, he's, his body has been repaired to the point where he's looking uh, strong and healthy again. But they said, and the reason I bring this story up is because the police had gone out and found one of the men that beat him to death and had him in jail. And his church was deciding what to do. And when the, the moment he was alive and the moment they got there, his first words were, forgive him, forgive him. And I remember crying and thinking, if I was just beaten to death by four individuals, would my first thought be forgive him? That's, I mean, Jesus, as he was being beaten, as he was being crucified, one of his statements was forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. We need to be of the same spirit. That man, I wish I knew his name, wish I could tell you the specifics of his story so you could go look it up. Sorry, it's a conversation piece. I just say these things as they come off my head. We need to be like that. And the thing was, this man that he forgave, they never found the other three, according to the story. Maybe they found them now. They never found the other three men, but this man that he forgave and he released from prison because no charges were held against him, he was so touched by it, he got saved. He came to know Jesus because of the forgiveness of the man that he killed. He came to know Jesus. That's a common theme in the stories of martyrs. Uh, quite a few of them will bring their captors or their the people who are putting them in prison or who has been abusing them. A lot of them will come to Jesus just because they see what's going on. They see that this, this person I'm abusing and beating is forgiving me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, they Love come to Jesus. Enemy. Mm-hmm. So, um, Brad, I don't want to end this if you got more in your heart, but uh, for my part, I want I wanna, that's my final statement to you. Forgive. Please forgive. Learn how to forgive if you don't know already. Bring it to God and say, teach me if you have to, but forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness and asking for more love. Yes. Huh. That's, I think that's a good stopping spot right there. 
Thank you for listening. As always, this is Brad. And this is Scott. And this is not about us.